Let's get to the Easter lesson. I know you've been waiting all year long for this. Some of you are like, I can't wait to go to Easter service, and now you're here. And so let's get right to it. You know, I love Easter because it's, it's, it's the why and the what of what we believe. You know, we do communion every week, but this is a centerpiece uh, to the Christian faith. And uh, the resurrection is an important part, not just for us, but for the first century Christians. And they turned the world upside down. It's what gave them so much boldness to really change the world. And they did. Did you know that Jesus was not the only person crucified? There were many people who were crucified on the Roman crosses. Many. Men like Spartacus, a slave gladiator who defied Rome. Not, not the movie, this is the real life guy. He defied Rome. And he gathered up other gladiators, other slaves, and they fought against the Roman Empire. In fact, they had victories against the Roman legions. And so a a long two, three year battle ensued trying to defeat the Roman Empire and Spartacus and his men lost. And he was hung on a cross and so were 300 of his men. And they were left there to rot on the cross. Because when they crucified you, they wanted everyone to know, don't mess with Rome. And they'll leave you up there and let your body decay. They'll let it sit up there. They'll take it. They'll throw it in the big valley dump. And they'll burn the bodies eventually. That's what they do. That's what they did. And what makes Jesus so special is that many were crucified, but only one raised from the dead. That is the compelling story of Easter. So I'm going to focus on two guys. I'm going to give you the backstory of two guys that made Easter happen. And that two guys were named Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. So let's, let's just go ahead and just take a little glimpse, give you a little backstory. Uh, they really helped Easter become Easter. Because those who were crucified were put into a mass grave and they stayed there. That's how they did it. There would have been no burial. There would have been no empty tomb. It just would have been Jesus thrown in some kind of valley dump where all the dead guys get thrown after they're crucified. So because it was illegal to bury someone who was crucified. It was against the law to do that. Because the ultimate humiliation was to kill you and then dump you. So for someone to get buried after crucifixion, it was not allowed. But there were special bribes and special things that happened at times. So, it really is a compelling story that I want to go over today. So let's go ahead and meet the characters in the story. Nicodemus and Joseph. And um, these guys were accidental heroes. You ever been an accidental hero in your life? I know sometimes I do. I am in my home. Accidentally, I'm a leader. I'm awesome. My kids love me. It's an accident. Uh, the, today, the Easter Bunny came to the house, and uh, the kids thought it was, you know, they knew it was us, but we still, they still play along. It's pretty cool. Okay. So there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Pharisees were the best of the best. They were advocates. They adhered to a strict obedience to the law of the Sabbath, purity rituals, tithing, you name it. They were were the top dogs. And the ruling council is like a senator over over religious affairs. And that's who who they were. These guys were very uh, influential men. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, 
we know, hence the word we, not I, we, in other words, there are more than me. We know in the Jewish ruling council, there is a we, there is a more than I. There is multiple people that we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. You know, since, you, since you're from God, Jesus, we all have the same question. And I, the thing I love about Jesus is that before you can ask your question, he sometimes gives you the answer. You know, in life, you know, sometimes you get the answer before you can ask the question. And this is what Jesus says. He goes, in reply, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless, unless he is born again. You know what they probably thought? Dang, I didn't ask my question yet, Jesus. Can you at least let me ask a question? I've been working on this for days. I was in, I wanted I wanted to know about how do you enter this kingdom you keep talking about? I need assurance about this kingdom. And the Pharisees, they should have had the most assurance out of anybody because they're the ones who are actually obeying in, in, in a strict code. So it would, it, they were perfect, and, and people would have been shocked to see that Nicodemus would ask a question like this, or attempt to ask a question like this. They were the ones that told everybody else how to live and how to do, and then they came to Jesus going, hey, I was going to ask you about this kingdom. And Jesus says, or he says, how can a man be born when he is old? I don't know if he's trying to be funny, but, you know, you can't have a second birth. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. dun 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 Jesus, that's impossible. How can you do that? How can this happen? I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Jesus was saying that something has to happen on the inside. Not the outside. And so many people put value on things on the outside and not the inside. Mm. Just think about when you attend church. People put so much value in just attending church. As we know, knew from two weeks ago, there's more value in putting into practice the teachings than actually attending church on Sunday. But we elevate Sunday attendance higher than the teachings. And that's sometimes that the Pharisees were doing. They were stuck there. And Nicodemus, Nicodemus lived in a world of behaviors. It was designed to earn a spot but you have tried this. When you try to be good enough, you realize you aren't good enough. And you realize, where's the bar anyway? How good do I have to be? And so Nicodemus is stumped. He says, how can this be? Jesus is talking about inside, and Nicodemus is going, how can that be possible? And Jesus says, hey, you're Israel's teacher. And you do not understand these things? Because you're telling everybody else, and you can't understand being changed and what you believe and what you value is inside versus out. And then he says this. Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, 
so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in, in Him may have eternal life. Nicodemus is thinking, wow, that's intense. He knows that story. He knows the story in Numbers where the snakes bit God's people and God said, Moses, build a pole, put a bronze snake at it and whoever looks at the snake will be healed. And Nicodemus knows that story and Jesus says, I'm going to be lifted up like the snake and when people look at me on the cross and believe, there will be salvation. And that is, is so compelling to Nicodemus. He's confused. He doesn't know what to do. And Nicodemus, he stumped. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know. And we testify to what we've seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things. And you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Imagine what Nicodemus is thinking. He's going, are you, think, are you saying what I think you're saying? Because Nicodemus is having a hard time. Jesus is saying, I came from heaven. And then Nicodemus is going, are you saying what I think you're saying? Are you saying that you're from... Are you saying... Are, I mean, imagine having this conversation with Jesus going, you're saying you're the... That's a very difficult conversation that he's having with Jesus. Nicodemus knew the story of the snake. He knew it. And what he's saying, whoever looks at this pole in this Old Testament would be saved from the venom. And to claim to have come from heaven, to equate yourself to a symbol of healing and salvation, it could have been too much for Nicodemus. That's too much. That's way too much for me. And to make entrance into the kingdom of God a matter of believing rather than behaving? He would have to admit much of what he believed and taught was incorrect. So Nicodemus goes back to his group. He goes back and he, and he goes back to the Pharisee group and he continued to follow Jesus but from a distance because he would not publicly acknowledge he was wanting to follow Jesus or associate with Jesus because of fear of losing respect and losing his position in the Sanhedrin. But internally, there was tension. And every time you come to church and you hear a message that hits your heart, there is the tension. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You guys are already going, there's tension in the room. There's tension. So, they, so these guys, they watched Jesus from a distance, but they would not, in, would not publicly go, but internally there was tension. And perhaps their story and your story intersect. Maybe you have the tension. And maybe you've been trying to believe in God, but you've been doing it privately. And you're afraid to go public. You come to church once in a while, because you, you feel an obligation but there's tension because we're afraid, or you're afraid, to go public. You're afraid of what you would lose. You're afraid of what you'd be accountable to if you sided with Jesus. You know, this morning I went into Starbucks to, uh, to get some gift cards for some disciples who have been very helpful in the church, and I left my phone there. 
And I was like, oh man, I realized that, you know, when you're driving a mile away going, where's my phone? Because I want to, I want to text and drive. Not! <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, if you don't have your phone, you're like, something's missing. Not that the Holy Spirit is, is like, where's my phone? So I went back and they had my phone and, I, and this is my chance. I was like, am I going to say something spiritual, friendly? What am I going to do? You know, you're supposed, you're supposed to say thank you. I was like, I'm like, you saved Easter. <laughs> And she's like, what? What? I was like, okay, I'm going now. I left. So months later, the Pharisees become worried because Jesus is attracting large followers. Now, Nicodemus has this interaction and he goes back to his guys, but Jesus is gathering more and more followers. There's whispers that he might be the Messiah. Um, you know, they send temple guards out to see Jesus and try to arrest him. And the guards report back this. The temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? And they said, no one ever spoke the way this man does, the cards declared. You mean he has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted. Has any of the rulers or Pharisees believed in him? No! But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Nicodemus, at this point, he knew he couldn't hide. So can you imagine the group? And then the guards come back. And there's Nicodemus, and there's, jo- and then he's there jo- there's Joseph. He's like, he's like, no one, we don't. And then here's an opportunity to go public. You ever been in a situation where someone else brings up God? But you're going, they're way off yeah. about God, but they bring it up. Yeah. And you're in, the, you're in the kind of the group where you're going... <laughs> I, I, know what it, I know what it is to be a follower. I know, I'm, I, I'm one. But what do you say in the moment? How do you come in? So this is what Nicodemus does. Uh, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, and who was one of their own number, asked the question, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing to find out what he's doing? He goes public. He defends Jesus. In front of his peers, in front of his friends, in front of the religious body of the Jews, he says, wait a minute, didn't our law say that we should hear this guy out first before we condemn him? Nicodemus comes out into the open. And so their reply to Nicodemus is a very encouraging one. Are you from Galilee too? Then they went to their home. Can you imagine coming out and then getting rejected by your peers? Nicodemus, Joseph were just sitting there. They left. I'm sure they're just standing there going, what did we just do? We just defended Jesus and nobody believes us. This is the backdrop to Easter. Nick had crossed a line. And there are times in your life where God is calling you to cross a line. And sometimes go public. And sometimes not back off. And sometimes say, ah, excuse me, 
We're having a marriage series next Sunday at our church service. God will put you in positions where He'll try to get you to cross a line, to extend your faith. Later on, they follow Jesus. He saves a woman who's caught in adultery. All the guys are lining up with the rocks at her. He, Jesus comes to the scene. He says, hey, he who is out sin, throw the first stone. They all drop the rocks. He says, hey, you're forgiven for your life of sin. I mean, they are seeing this amazing must prophet come into their lifetime. And it, they are so blown away and compelled. He tells them he's the light of the world. He's saying that, you know, they're hearing rumors of false witnesses. Um... There's, a, there's, there's some guy coming in to, to, to betray Jesus for money. They see him get dragged into the garden. They see him get beaten. They see him get flogged. And then they see him get crucified. This is what those guys saw. And they just got done sticking up for this guy. And that's what happened. And so most of the followers of Jesus actually left. They actually stopped. They actually believed that the, the Messiah had failed in his mission. It was over. He was not to become Israel's king. The crucifixion was the final blow. It's over. But as Jesus was being hoisted on the cross, I believe Nick and Joe noticed something that others missed. Maybe you missed. They remembered what Jesus said. Nick remembers just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert that carried venom, that carried sin. That's the symbolism there. As the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. And Jesus becomes the snake. Jesus becomes the sin. And whoever look, looks at Jesus... Just like when the time of Moses, when they looked at the snake, they were saved from the venom. They were saved from their sin. Is the foreshadow. So with us. It is a matter of believing more than, than of doing. We do things because we believe. When you try to flip that around and earn your spot in heaven you make a very vital mistake in your Christianity. When you try to do above believing, you mix it up and you frustrate yourself. Because you realize, I can't keep this up. This morning I woke up going, I'm a sinner. How do you do this? Just try not to sin for a week. Just try. Have that mindset. And you'll go crazy. Now I'm not saying go out and just blatantly be a crazy guy. But I'm saying like, you realize, dude, there's no hope for me. If I, if, if, if I sin and there's no redemption, there's no hope. I cannot do it. So I need to look and believe at what's happening here. Can you imagine what went through Nicodemus' brain? These guys memorized the Old Testament. These guys knew this passage. They knew it, but he was pierced for our transgression. This was about the Messiah. They're seeing him hoisted up. And then can you imagine what they must be thinking that the Messiah was predicted to be coming? It says this in Isaiah. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Can you imagine what they're thinking? We, like sheep, 
have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. When he was accused by the crowd in front of Pontius Pilate, he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. You know, when you cross that line, there's no going back. Once you, once Nicodemus and Joseph crossed that line, there was no going back. So Joseph and Nicodemus did the unthinkable. Risking everything they'd spent their lives working for, they approached Pilate, the Roman governor, and asked permission to bury the body of Jesus. Because what was going to happen to Jesus was he was going to get thrown in the dump. That was the destiny for the crucified. So they specially went to, I'm going to go to the Roman governor. I'm part of the Jewish ruling council that had been giving this governor Pilate a hard time since he's been there. Because there was, there was, there was a, a lot of tension between Pilate and the Pharisees. A lot of, a lot of little battles that went on. And so they approach him. And this is what John records. Later, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, I love that word, secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders. Now, in Mark, it says this about this backstory. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead because in six hours, Jesus was dead. Usually it takes longer than that, but he was dead in six. So Pilate goes, hey, that's a little, that's a little, I, I, I'm questioning that. So he goes, hey, centurion, go see. And he asked him and he says, Jesus already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Pilate has to make sure before I give this body over to you that he's dead. And who knows better than a centurion? The centurion knows when you're dead. They do this all day long. They have a special task force that does crucifixions. That's all they do. A group of men, they were brutal, but that was their one job. They crucified people, and that's what they did. So they goes, hey, is he dead? They're going, he's a goner. So back to John. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. He was not alone. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night, we call him Nick at night, affectionate term. <laughs> Very affectionate term. He was afraid to go during the day. We understand. We get, we get that. We get the tension. We relate to Nicodemus more than you know. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it up with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with, Je- uh, with uh, Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Matthew tells us that tomb belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. It was his tomb for himself. And he gave it to Jesus. Remember where Jesus would have ended up where he would have ended up. If he died and was thrown in the dump after six hours, and he came out and says, I resurrected, it would have been remarkable, but totally explainable. It would have been amazing, but 
explainable. The fact that his close friends who believed him and wanted to follow him, when you love somebody and someone dies, you are checking for vital signs. You're, you're making, is he really, is he dead six hours? Is he, I mean, you're making sure before you wrap him up and suffocate him. You're making sure this guy's dead. Because people who cared for him, they were looking for signs of life. But he was really dead. And that's what really happened. And the fact that they cared for the body and placed it in a tomb, they were, they were not anticipating his resurrection. The tomb had, had, a, had a stone that it was easy to close and hard to reopen. They roll a stone on it and it stays there. Because it's on a little hill and they just kind of remove the latch and it rolls in place. So they were not expecting Jesus to come back from the dead. When they closed the tomb, they were, this is it. It was over. He was a prophet that was killed. Another one that, that bite the dust. So on Sunday morning, when Mary goes to the tomb, she finds it open. And she calls the guys. And they come and they see that it's open. And Mary and Martha realize that Jesus rose from the dead thanks to Nicodemus and Joseph who asked for the body of Jesus and put him in a tomb because he was headed for the dump. They stepped out and crossed the line and went to Pilate. And then for sure he was dead. He was gone. But the stone was rolled away. How fitting it must have been For the man that Jesus told, you must be born again to be involved in the process of giving you irrefutable proof that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Because he died. And that's how Nicholas and Joseph saved Easter. They saved Easter to give you belief for generations to come because of their actions. Because they were willing to cross the line and put themselves out in the open and saying... I'm a follower. How many of you are secret Christians? Your neighbors don't even know. You can take out the trash every Tuesday, but they won't really know you're a Christian until you come public. You you can do all the charitable things you you want. People think you're a charitable person, but are you coming out in the open? Now, I'm not saying be a total loon and go and wear the John 3.16 headbands and go to a basketball game. (laughs) I am not proclaiming that. What I'm saying is that there is going to come a time this week or next, where you're going to be in a position to come out in the open. And there have been times when I've been in those positions and I chickened out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me? It's like, oh, the timing's wrong, the timing's wrong, the timing's wrong. The timing's alright. I'm going to see him again, I promise. I'm going to see that guy. I remember his face. I've done that. And there are times where I went out in the open and I was expecting complete humiliation and I was totally surprised. But I've been waiting for someone to invite me to church. I'm like, Really? So, this lesson is for you to be inspired by Joseph and Nicodemus. They went out in the open. They went against the grain. And they helped you believe in Jesus. They helped you understand that Jesus did die and He did resurrect. Because they would have known if you hadn't died. These guys would have known. They were the Pharisees. And that's how Nick and Joseph saved Easter. But they'll be quick to tell you that Jesus did that.
In conclusion, I want to ask you a question or to consider an idea that Jesus taught that Isaiah predicted that Nicodemus and Joseph discovered that eternal life isn't a reward for good people. It's a gift to forgiven people. It's not a reward for good people. It's not about your behavior. It's about what you believe. Then your behavior will follow your beliefs. It's a gift to forgiven people. That's what I believe. That's what the scriptures teach. So if you've never received that gift, if you've had it the other way around, I want to invite you back next week. I want to encourage you and to consider this. Make this your spiritual home. We believe in the Bible. We believe to inspire us to do great things. But most importantly, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Have a great Easter. Have a great afternoon. And enjoy time with your family. Thanks so much.